we were the ones that were, you know, in charge of everything. So black people were a part of it, but for whatever reason, and I don't, I've seen documentaries on TV where it goes back to the English that they saw anything that was dark as evil. And that's what that um, thought process became because black people had dark skin that that was a sign of being evil. So they were thought less of, or if they was just, you know, you find reasons to do things that are horrible to let yourself live with them. So enslaving people, you know, you dehumanize them and tell yourself that they're, they're not equal to you because it allows you to do something terrible. So, so like, whatever the reason is, though, like if black people, let's say black people had been the immigrants to this country and that there had been a civilization that came from Africa, like England, that learned how to build boats and they were able to take to the seas and find all this fucking land and take over uh, literally a quarter of the world at one point the English ran. And they had come to the new world and they had white people as slaves. Their declaration and their declara- and their constitution and their bill of rights would have been written to favor whatever the values of black people at that time. Yeah, so... It's unfortunate that it was written at a time when black people were looked at as not wholly human. I'm the honest with you. But, I mean, even then it was talked about, like slavery, the whole thing. Like, I'm the honest with you. Hispanics are just kiss-ups to white people because they want to be... You know what Hispanics hate? You know what you tell them that'll really piss them off? You're not, you guys are just fucking dark-skinned white people. You're all fucking Caucasian. Because they are. They're all fucking from Spain. They Where do they... What do you think Cortez and... Fucking Velasquez and all these names come. They're from Spain. Those are names from Spain. And also being honest with you. The Mayans and Aztecs didn't have those last Hispanics, names. Hispanics, Mexicans, Latino, whatever. They all kiss up to white people anyway because they want to be looked at past their darker skin and be favored. You know. Oh, yeah. Why do you think, you know, all of them and stuff, like you were saying, because I know some of them now. You know, they sitting here on Facebook and stuff, the ones I went to school with, flaunting and stuff. Oh my God, uh, senior year, I'm about to apply for doctorals degree and all of that. Oh, I wouldn't made it with, uh, oh, I did it all by myself. You didn't. It's never the case. You never, no one ever does it by you themselves. Have a, you, have, you have two parents that what you were saying, they came here using someone else's shit you know, where they didn't have to pay all of this. Another Hispanic or whatever bought a home and let them move in it, letting you all have a better life. Black people, we don't. We don't. Look at my mom and stuff. Look at my grandmother. My grandmother rented houses her entire life. She's never owned them. So let me let me tell you something, and you tell me if this makes sense to you. Okay. So the way it was explained to me is that up until the 1960s, America had seen and had its you know obvious racial tensions right and you know people just looked at what the most of the whites looked at black people as they didn't want them on their same level for whatever reason skin color the way they were taught raised whatever but black people in black communities and black wealth had a steady incline from the time slavery had ended up until the 1960s so lyndon johnson becomes president and he passes what's called the Great Society. And essentially what the Great Society uh, deal said was it told 
black women, specifically single black women or women who would have to become single black women that if you have a child and you are a single black woman, we will give you welfare, housing, child care, and food care, but you have to be a single black woman. So the same time the party was convincing all of the black populace that they cared about and the Democrats, which I've always told people are the most racist people on earth and absolutely hate minorities and have done anything they can time and again to pass laws to keep minorities here and white people up here pointing down at them, telling them what to do because that's what that did. So they passed that deal and what it did, what it did was take the black father out of the black household. And what does every, what does every white household understand? That it takes two parents to make that strong, solid household and to create, you know, children that are going to be successful. I didn't know about that, that president that did that, but yes, that adds up because 1960s, our parents were born, yeah. 50s and 60s, and all of that, because yeah, my mom and stuff, that she would tell stories how they were on welfare, and when the welfare agent come over, they had high toasters and stuff, um, anything that looked electronically up-to-date microwave ovens and all that they had to hide it otherwise they'd be cut off of it yeah because grandfather wasn't in the picture remember he had that other life yeah over in indiana and so um yeah yeah but even still like just the fact that before that that your grandfather was had the ability to make enough money to have two different families I mean, when is that going to happen now? Growing up, my aunt's house that was born in the 50s, and there was one that was only born in the, no, just the 50s, because my grandmother was born in, she was born close to 1927 or something, 28. And, uh, yeah, so, all of that stuff, that, yeah, that do make sense, and people be like, Oh, uh, your daddy, you know, back then it was a joke. Your daddy, you don't know your daddy. Now it's not a joke because people in my generation, we know our daddy, but, you know, they just got another life or whatever. But, you know, my my mom and your, my mom's generation, your generation, that was the thing for black people. Oh, you don't know your daddy because now that you tell me, that makes sense. Yeah, but ask, ask your grandmother, like, anybody in her generation, they all knew their fathers. Like it, they, it, they knew their, yeah, they it, knew their fathers. Like it came to a point where all of a sudden it was gone. And like, why do you think that um, a party, the Democrats, would pass a law that essentially took the black father out of the home? Do you think they did it because they didn't understand that telling black women only if they're single and if they're single they will get certain things that that wouldn't destroy the entire black family? And it, it destroyed a lot. It destroyed boys growing up. Self-esteem, yeah. And it, it destroyed just living in poverty. Yeah, like all of them, all of, no, <laughs> point in the wrong direction. All of these houses, this way, single people, African-American. Over there on the south side, you know, they, they choose to live like that because they, they want to stuff them homes and they continue to bring people from out of town. That's why Milwaukee's all overpopulated. Well, yeah, but they're also immigrating from a country where they see nothing but a fucking death and extreme and poverty. I mean, you guys literally, the ones that are here came over from Africa hundreds of years ago. So 
you know America. So you, I mean, the squalor you see is still manageable because yeah. the government still sending a check yeah. every month and food stamps. And that's all we know. That's all my community knows is collecting the check. You know, you see people, remember the stimulus? Everybody just going crazy. Oh shit, free money, I ain't gotta work. That's why it's a shortage on that. And now that we, let's get into today's, putting that into today's. Everybody wants to be like the African American community, the black people now for some reason. White people, white dudes coming down here trying to follow the culture. Hispanic dudes trying to follow the culture. But we ain't, have you noticed that? Though? No, I have. And honestly, I've always, like, even when I was growing up, there were kids, you know, we always called them wiggers. And, and it's just like, I used to say, I'm like, what is it? You, listen, the reason that these guys are like this is because these people who are rappers, they grew up with, in fucking poverty and extreme violence, and they fucking sang about it, and some of them are artistically gifted and make a living off of it. But you don't know any of that, motherfucker. You grew up in Cudahy with me above the poverty line with not seeing any violence or death or drug dealing. So what the fuck do you want to be part of that? They're, that that's a forced way of life. They're like that because they have to be, not because they want to yeah. be. And I don't understand that. Same thing with my sister. You, 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 but then they, people, they hate. They hate when you tell them about it. Oh, yeah. Well, why yeah. You, why you, there's a difference. I guess my brothers used to say, you acting white. Now there's a saying, why do you act in black? Yeah, all, all, all the time, yeah. Like, no, I used to hate... And then they get upset. Oh, I hate when people call me a wannabe. I'm a real N-word yeah. and stuff. You are? I always seem to have had black friends that would have that accusation thrown at them from whoever, but I used to hate hearing it like from their friends or like I would hear people say it to them, like, listen, I was like... I was like, I, I would tell him, I had this Andrew Riley. He was a running back for our football team. I was like, I hate hearing people call you, like, saying you're whitewashed or whatever. He's like, oh, man, ain't no big deal. I was like, I was like, well, I just, I think it's awesome that you are able to talk to me and you don't make me uncomfortable by every other word being, you know, nigga this or nigga that. You know, I was like, because that shit makes me uncomfortable. I was like, I like that you talk like a normal person. I was like, it makes me want to speak to you and treat you like a normal person. Yeah. I was like, when people come to me talking ghetto, that's when I look at them like, and so, that's why I'm going to treat people different. How do you think the police feel when they pull somebody up? I, to- I know that's why the police feel the way they feel. But even still, they still, that doesn't give them a reason. They, they don't get them right. Because they have a job that they should Serves be told immediately, you're going to become jaded and you're going to become, at a certain point, uh, you're going to group everybody in the same category. But... You need to understand that you you can't allow your mind to go there because it's gonna save you from killing an innocent person one day. It's gonna save you from shooting somebody who, that unlike the twenty other interactions you had, is just having a bad day and is just arguing and maybe doesn't want to put their hands out of their pockets. And you don't need to shoot them, but because all these other interactions you have had has showed you that they've had a weapon that you need to shoot them. The one time that it isn't that. Keeping that mindset out of your head will allow you not to kill that innocent person because that's what the cops do. You know, I get it. Like, you're a cop. You pull over a car with tinted windows. You've had it happen to you before where you've pulled up and they a gun sticking out the window and you get shot at or you fucking whatever, been chasing people and had them shoot at your partner and seen yeah. your partner get killed. But, what's, 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 but that's the – you chose that job. Yeah. 
you did. That, that doesn't give you the right to kill people. That's on your side, but then on my side, for my people, what's the point? Why are you riding around with dark windows? Because you're trying to hide your weed? Oh, my sister would tell me, oh, no, my brother, uh, my Volkswagen Jetta, the first car I bought, I snatched, I, I took the tin off. You know, you can peel tin. Yeah. I peeled it off. Oh, why you peel the tin off? That's a fishbowl. Why you want people to see you? Because I'm happy that I just bought a car and I want everyone to know that that's corn in his car. Oh, no, that's not good. Well, no hitters and stuff. The police can see you. Well, see, that's, that's the other thing I think if this whole, like, during the whole George Floyd things, I understood that, but everybody got up on their pedestal, and, like, I was just thinking, all these black people I know, they know that these stereotypes that are out there are because of a majority of the time. The it, it's because of what's actually going on. You got dark tinted windows because you're trying to hide something. You're riding around without a license plate. It's because that might be a stolen car or you got your license revoked. Or you, you can't. Nowadays, stuff like that is immature people. They. Or you're looking for a reason. You're, you want to get into an argument. No, they, they just, they, they haven't been taught because my generation, let's be honest here, not to throw you in the bus. My generation, like people my age are, their parents and stuff are late 30s, mid to something 40s. If you get a good one, their parents are probably in their 50s, like how mine is, if they got common sense. But their parents, because they didn't show them. Uh, I I had a homegirl in school, she bought a car. She was so happy she bought a car, she didn't have license plates. Because her parents didn't teach her proper channels. When oh, so you're saying some people just don't know. They don't know. When you get a car, this is some of them my age. When you get a car, you're supposed to pay to get tax, insurance. This is why everybody's rolling around with no insurance, can't afford it. And all of this other stuff you have to go to emissions, X, Y, and Z, maintenance. It's what you signing up for with a car. Being honest, though, you know. People and stuff your age in a healthy family, two parent family, right? It's normal for the parents to buy their kids their first car, they get good grades or something. Yeah. And that's all taken care of, along with the maintenance and stuff. Oh, dad, the car is acting like this. But, okay, let's go. But I'll be honest. My generation's parents, and Tim Dillon makes this point all the time because he's 36, I'm 34. He said, our boomer parents were the most selfish, conceited group of parents that have ever existed on this planet. And he's right because you know what? My parents never taught me and never did with me. They would scream at me I wouldn't do my homework right or that I was getting bad grades. Not once did my mom or my dad ever take me and say, Eddie, grab your homework, get your book out, come sit at the table, show me what you're doing and do it with me. And it wasn't because... They, it's not because they didn't uh, think it would help, but it was because my mom would work 60 to 70 hours a week driving truck. And when she get home, she was beat. She just wanted to relax. And my dad was always working two jobs. So they were always doing what they thought was best, which was money, 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 trying to improve their situation. But really, if they would have spent more time with Stephanie and I, Stephanie would not be out gangbanging right now, running around, trying to get any one of these scumbags to look at her and say, I love you and show her any kind of attention. 
and she wouldn't abandon every one of her kids. And I have to believe that I would have at least had the confidence to accept who I was a little bit earlier and come to grips with it and realize that part of what I was hiding was, you know, going to the general just destruction of my everyday life, which was getting high. And I would have been able to stop that and put a stop to it a long time ago because I would have just never felt the need to hide it or felt like I was ashamed of it. But my parents raised us with a very closed-minded view, which was you have to work and make as much money as you can. You don't have to go to school. You know, they knew, they made us understand that school was important, but they never showed us how to be successful when it came to school, what techniques to use, how to study. They didn't show me how to balance a checkbook. I had to learn all that stuff in high school through, uh, it was, um, uh, there was like a class in high school that showed you how to like balance your, was that it? Okay, that, that was it. So that's where I learned how to do it, but they didn't teach me any of that. They didn't teach me what going out on my own and renting a place was gonna be like him to deal with a landlord. Nothing. They just said, you're 18, go. They said, you're 18, you're on your own. I don't have to deal with you anymore. That so is, that's, that, that's my generation. Like people in their 30s, I think that's why, and I see it with a lot of my other friends too, they don't have necessarily the same situation as me, which was going to jail and being on probation for a long time, but none of them are married. Most of them didn't have kids, or if they did, they had them really late. And they're just now starting their lives in their mid-30s because... They, because they were living... Lost. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't know. They were and just. Now they, they're trying to do it on their own. They, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, they had to learn. I think you know we go from generation. You know, our grandparents, my grandmother. That generation was different. You know, they, they men were, went out and worked while women stayed home stayed and cared. Home and care, which was my grandmother. That's exactly how my dad and mom were both raised. And then that's how my mom was. And now my mom. Work, 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 pay, 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 don't give a fuck about school, right? Yep. Then there's you. You Unfortunately, you are older. So you are up there with Randy. And Randy's MO is the same as yours. He didn't start, Randy didn't start his life until he was 29. When he finally finished Cardinal Stritch and got his, Randy got his associates. Randy just recently got a, a bachelor's degree when he was 30 around your age, around 34, he graduated from uh, University of Las Vegas. And so, Randy's almost 40, and he's no kids, and he's still, Randy's still living paycheck to paycheck, still trying to figure out what he wants to do. We know what Randy's problem is. It could be that. I mean, most come likely on. likely it could be a, that. A, a man, because a good looking guy. Because looking at your situation, how you just came out to me, my mom is like that. None of us are still want to be comfortable. But then you have me. You have some people in my generation. Uh, it starts from my age. Anything lower from my age. And then you have um, up to my sister. My sister is 26. Now, where we all... We learn from all of that. We learn from all of those generations. Now we, we figured out the world, how it operates now. And so now we are voicing our opinions. We are taking risks and succeeding with 
them, especially how population is increasing in entertainment, media, all these other areas where it wasn't so high because technology has advanced, right? People my, in my age, not Sharon's age, my generation, so from 18 to 21, well, 23, I should say, we are taking advantage of college now. We are figuring out because they have changed some rules for college, even though they make you pay more. They are changing the rules for college and making it easier to get in and um, like find some type of you know career path. Because a person who has a chemistry degree can do the same job that a person with a biology degree can do. It's weird, but it's the truth. And so, it's just things change in our career paths, and that's why this is a moment that you can embrace this too. It's about our relationship, and this is why I wouldn't give up, and I envy, I, not envy, I enjoy, I like our relationship, and it's I want to make it grow, and you know, I hate when we talk about death and stuff because things are just getting started, and it starts off rough to get to somewhere, you know, gracious and more positive. And I hear hate to hear you say that you pass away at because if you have a company up and running, you're recording us. Oh, yeah, I did. I turned it on when you said, uh, just make a good podcast. I'm going to listen to it after oh, we were bastard. done. But, oh, sorry. But, you know, me and your relationship, we have two different generations. You have the generation of hard working, right? And I have the generation of not taking no shit. Learning the books. Because, you know, some things you tell I have the generation of learning the books, taking risks, and knowing from that risk factor if it's good or not, if it's a good or not risk to take. Because my mom would never do those risks when she was younger. You know why? Because she would be like, I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the help to do that. So that's why when it comes to our society now, I'm glad that it ends up this way. I'm glad that we met the way that we did meet because we would have never been a one together. You know, that... And things, our future would, we wouldn't have our future coming ahead. And I'll come back on this in the future and talk more about this when it actually comes to life because I'm pretty confident in the stuff that I say that I want me and you to do because based off of the steps that I told you that I'm going to take to get us to that point. Yeah, and I honestly, when, like, at first, when I, I remember when I first found your birth certificate, I sat, I took it out, I took it out and I sat on the bed and I looked at it and I'm like, this, I was like, this, this can't, this can't be real. There's, there's no way he's only 20 years old. It's like, none of this makes sense. I just sat here for, literally, I was probably on this bed staring at it for, it had to be over an hour, and I just went through every scenario I could in my head. I'm like, what could this be? Is this, is this like a fake birth certificate? Did he, did he make this up? Is it, like, I just didn't understand. I'm like, no, this is his name. I was like, this is Ma's name. I was like, I gotta ask him. And it was eating away at me. 
And that next day at Capitol is when I had talked to you and I asked you and you were like, you right away had this whole big fucking lie about... Part of it was real, but about Vegas. and, And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man... Something didn't seem right about that. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'll let it go for a little while. And then that night, me and you got in that fight, and you showed me your ID out there in the car. I remember you showed me it, and I thought, that motherfucking ID, that was that looks like a fake ID. And I had oh, seen... It listen, I, it was, though. It, but I knew, in my head, I knew that was a fake ID, and I thought, this motherfucker's yeah, still... Yeah, of course I am. I was like, I was like, he's still lying about it, and that's why I went on and got all that information and screenshotted it and confronted you with it. Like, so wait, they got your mom's name, your sisters, your brothers, uh, your email, and your Facebook and your phone number right, but they don't got your motherfucking birthday right, and you finally admitted it to me. And I'm not upset about it because the position I'm in now, like, I feel like I wouldn't have pulled myself out of the sad shitty ass place I was in when I was working at Palermo's and then I just got fired like I wouldn't have been able to at least not as quickly pull myself out of that and you know bounce back and keep myself going like you know I pretty much being with you I just I didn't allow my head to get below water I just right there enough to breathe and then Slowly but surely, I was just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And it just helped me build confidence and feel good about who I was. And, I mean, it felt great. I can't explain to you. After leaving my dad's house, when we sat out in the driveway and you grabbed me and you gave me a kiss after I told him and came out to him and told him that I was gay, I had never felt that kind of relief ever in my life. So, like, it never... I'm glad that you did that, um... But if we wouldn't have met, and and I and I and that's somehow, what I'm saying, yeah. if I somehow was gonna hold it against you that you did something that I did when I was sixteen, which is lied older people about my age so that I could hook up with them because people my age were really ignorant about the whole you know gay thing or whatever. They just you know it was hard to it was hard to just come out and you know like whatever just be that way like people are gonna chastise you and talk shit and i wasn't in a position i was yeah i played football and like i i mean literally my friends were like all of my friends that i had in my house every weekend to drink was literally our homecoming court and my prom court my senior year like those were all my best friends you had fame so and and that's how i lived yeah so remember that night me and I came out and we were talking about an age and Aaliyah said the same thing that she agreed with me about the age thing on why my generation would exaggerate our age by just a couple years within a couple years I should say is because you know we have these bright minds and we have bright futures and stuff and but we get discriminated because of our age we get looked at as we can't handle it Remember I was telling you working at Ramers and stuff, I would, how I first went out for the supervisor position for the garage and they gave it to another gentleman because he was older and they thought that he had better credentials um, and better mindset. However, he did a terrible job and he ended up leaving them because his daughter 
was special needs and needed more attention. So he left the supervisor's position. And then when I came on, it became an organized, um, it became more organized. The workers and stuff, I wasn't, you know, overly too much. I just came in with a structure that we all could keep up instead of un um, unorganized um, stuff where, you know, we were fumbling for our kits. We, we, I made little kits for us. We had little handheld kits and that was structure that people like. People love possession of things. So why not give them, this is my bucket with my cleaner products and don't touch it. You but know, you do, you do realize you being 18, thinking that way and being able to figure that out, that that would resonate with people, makes you an exception that proves that rule that most of the time people your age don't understand how like being in a managerial position you have to find a way to connect and get on a specific level with people who are now no longer your peers by your underlings yeah. and still try to get them to respect you at the same time and knowing that you know there's going to be some dislike and hate and shit talking but you have to at least be able to connect with them and say I understand your job and I will do your job and I won't ask you anything that I'm not willing to do. Yeah, but, you know, hey, you still have to do this. So, But most people your age don't understand that. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. When you get, they are still when I hear you get upset, I just think, yeah. well, Corey is the exception that proves that rule. Like, you're the yeah, outlier. Most people I aren't like you. I simplify it towards you. I don't get upset in front of them. I don't blow up. Skyler cuts me out at the new job that I work at that I'm, you know, the manager for there. Yeah. And I held my composure and I just told him that there was two options that I could have did. I could have ruined my cool and told and stooped to Skylar's level. Three options I said. The second option I could have said, you're done for today. Give me your clipboard and I'll handle your route. Do you think you being gay and people knowing that for as long as they have that has guess, allowed you to develop a better response to shit like that? Like having a strong back? Well, or just or, not responding with immediate anger because you've had to yes, deal with people. Because I had to cuss people out my entire life. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. My generation, that's another thing. We're kind of getting off topic. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to go back to what I was saying. My generation has something that your generation and my mom's generation and my grandmother's generation did not have, and that's growing up too fast. Well, yeah, because you, you could probably say that too. No, much. I think mine was probably the first because we were the literal jump start of the because internet. Because your parents were working too much, so you had to independently do some things. We were on AOL chat rooms talking to fucking people. Because having of, because people of so, internet, right? Yeah, it's yeah. all because they're looking at porn, learning internet. about sex. But here's the thing: everything. Like that's, that's for a different conversation. Unlimited information. And that's just for a different conversation. All right, so, but. We grew up too fast, and yes, it did start your generation, and that is why we are we have certain situations. But that's another conversation as well. But back to the supervisor position thing, you know, I had three options for Skyler: custom back out, get shitty with him, and tell him you're done for today. I'm gonna take care of it, or just simply just saying because stooping down to this level would have cost more, and it would embarrass the company, you know. Being bossy would have cost into him having an outrage either in front of one of our biggest uh, clients, which is the school that we were driving for. And we had about 10 buses with them. That's the biggest school we got, right? Or he would have went back to the company and caused a scene there 
calling his granddaughter or whatever mad at me because I'm gay um, and you know I have a backbone for myself Skylar has a immature niece that he calls her for everything and she comes with her gun on, gun on her hip and Mr. Hampton has to tell him tell her all the time don't come on our property with that you have to wait on the street with that gun at she, your hip she shows up with her gun she shows up with the gun at her hip inside a holster in her pocket or in a holster and we know it's not registered so we asked her to stay off the property so by me stupid to Skylar's level he would have went and lied and said that I like he did with our uh, mechanic Troy lied and said that I assaulted him or did something that he didn't like and that would have turned this to something even more violent but you know what my answer was when Skylar told me to shut um, he told me who the fuck am I talking to don't talk to him like that you know what my response was okay Skylar just Take my bus and go finish your route. Just get out of here. That was my response right there. Because you know why? I thought about the, the future, what those scenarios would have been like. And I know the type of people I'm dealing with. I work two different jobs. So I know I have two different personalities when I go to work. When I go to the bus company, I have a more mature, you know, settled personality. When I go to Greenbrook, I have a childish personality where it's funny, bubbly, and people, my coworkers want to hang around, you know? Yeah. So you're pretty much, that's like culturally too, like, so you, and you know what's crazy is that I had a realization of how I needed to react to black people in my job doing security and how I needed to react to everybody else, which was young white college students. Mm -hmm. I was at Horny Goat. It was probably like, Two months into me being there, I had already made my big speech in front of all the managers and the director of operations and the owner to get the eye detect system set up. They bought it. They invested in all the security guys I told them I needed to hire, which was 12 guys, full staff on the weekends. And they pretty much did everything I asked. So everything was rolling really well. And we were constantly having issues with like these middle-aged white people bringing in their fucking daughters and their daughter's friends to the volleyball. And it's, this is a drinking establishment. We're not a restaurant. I told him, like, listen, 9 o'clock hits. Wisconsin state law says you can no longer be in here. doesn't matter that you're their guardian. You can't be in here. You can't be drinking. You have to be out of the building. So I don't want you coming in here at 7 o'clock. You can't come in. So this is what I was dealing with constantly and kind of getting annoyed and getting short-fused with it. And then I had this group. It was this large group of uh, – it was one older black guy and some younger kids. I'm thinking it was dude – must have been his son or whatever. And they came up and one of them had an expired ID. One of the other ones didn't have an ID. And it was something I'm like, and they were kind of getting a little disrespectful and shitty. I'm like, you know what? I was like, you know what guys? I was like, I don't want any of you in here tonight. And they're like, they're like, no, no, I want, I want to, I want to talk to who's in charge. I was like, you're talking to him. I make the rules. I was like, I'm the one that runs this shit. You, I'm the guy to talk to. And they're like, you ain't fucking in charge. I'm like, listen, you guys are gonna fucking leave and you're gonna leave now. And they're like, really, what the fuck are you gonna do? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, he's kind of like backing up, like, you know, pulling his pants up, you know, doing his whatever. And I'm, and I'm starting to walk towards him and I'm like, you're gonna leave our fucking premises or I'm gonna drag you the fuck out of here. And his buddies are all kind of hyping him up, talking shit. And I remember I looked back and I saw all my employees, all my guys in security, they're like walking up from the back and they're sitting there and they're staring at me. And it was Jeff Bartson, the guy who was like my assistant manager. The way he was looking at me, 
and it was just this, like, almost like, you, what are you doing? Why are you fucking talking? Why are you getting involved with this dude, this idiot? Just tell, tell him to leave. And it all of a sudden clicked in my head. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm about to fucking fight this guy. I'm supposed to be in charge. I just had a huge speech and wrote a, a security manual for all these guys that they made me write and presented it to him. And I'm about to fight this little black dude out here because he's challenging me. And I stopped like dead in my tracks. And I was like, you know what? I was like, it's all good, man. Just do whatever you want. You guys can leave. You can stay right here, but you can't come in. And I remember John Schultz was like, damn, Eddie, you ain't going to do nothing. He's like, you really going to back down? That, that dude's calling you all kinds of names. Blah, blah, blah. He's talking in my ear. I'm like, John, just shut the fuck up and leave me alone, bro. And like, as I stopped like talking to him, however I was talking to him, they just kept backing up talking shit but it ended and they just left but it was the first time I realized I'm like I was about to get into a fight with a group of black people just because I one didn't recognize that they handle things differently because culturally it's completely different than when I'm dealing with white people telling them they can't bring their kids in whatever you know I was telling this older black dude your son can't come in because he his fucking IDs expired and we don't allow expired IDs in. And they're saying they're like, what's the problem? What's the problem? And that's what the whole argument was about. And because uh, they were in the wrong and they didn't want to, they thought that you were gonna break in and say, oh, just come in, whatever. Well, I like they yeah, I don't I don't think that they were in the wrong, but I just think that the way they see things is different. Like they didn't understand why, as a company, we didn't want people on our premises with expired IDs mm-hmm. because we can't we don't know because if that's even the theirs. Stuff. Yeah, and then it's not them. But you know that goes back to. Or I scan it in my ID machine. But it, that goes back to parenting. How you. Th- that okay, too. Like, but okay. that situation was just. It made me realize at that moment that in the future, okay, when I have a group of black folks come up to my door again and something like this happens, I just got to handle it a little bit differently because it's just different. It's obviously different for them yeah. than it is. Because the white people would sit and argue with me and they'd have stupid petty arguments like, oh no, she's coming in with me. because That's my daughter. I don't fucking, no, she's not coming in because she's your daughter. I'm fucking telling you that you are. Just go whatever and leave. Yeah, they'll huff and puff and, you know, talk a little shit. Oh, I'm going to call corporate. Oh, there's no corporate asshole. Like, what are you talking about corporate? That goes, what I was going back to, let me finish because I don't want to sound like I'm. I did have a chick throw a drink on me once. I told her she was cut a hay trash in front of like 30. No, you deserve it. Not, I had like yeah, I had like fifty anyways, people laughing but, at her. She threw that. Honest, so like you know, like going back to some things, you know, there's I work with different types of kids, right? So yeah. you know, some kids you can tell, sit down, don't move, no more, you know. And most of those are my south side routes, right? South side routes, kids, you know, the Hispanic kids, the um, Hmong American, Vietnamese kids, and stuff like that. You know, I could tell them, sit there and sit here only, don't get back up. Now, when I get to the north side, you know, you now the black kids, my black kids and stuff, love them to death. You know, they full of light and joy and whatever. But delivering my message, if I tell them, sit right there, don't get back up. You see how I'm telling them in that tone? Yeah. Sit right there, don't get back up. They don't think I'm serious. Then, tell them the second time, get on the intercom side. Scare the, scare the shit out of them because the intercom be booming loud. Sit back down, don't get back up, right? Second time, they sit there and they think, you know, okay, things are fruit and berries, whatever, he's sweet, blah, blah, blah. 
But the third time, now that I'm upset because either we almost had an accident from me trying to watch to see what are they doing, they got up again. I have to speak a language that my mom has did for me because I did this when I was young as a little black boy. My mom had to tell me three times and that three time, that third time, she would tell me in a serious way that I thought was serious that, oh, trouble's gonna erupt if I get up. And that is by letting me know, if you move, I'm gonna whoop your ass. You see how you have to add curse words in there? Yeah. Because my mom growing up, she cursed at us a lot. You know, she cussed us out because she was aggravated. So by her saying, sit right there, don't get back up. I'm thinking, oh, things are fruits and berries. It's sweet, you know, when it's not, it's sour. When she comes out and tells me, if you move, I'm gonna whoop your ass. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you if you get up. And, you know, I hate speaking like that because I try to be on my Oprah Winfrey bullshit when I'm around kids. But, you know, sometimes if a kid, their lives are at stake, you know, especially me driving through the deep north side, where there's a lot of accidents happening daily. I can't tell you how many times I've had I'm, I'm shocked at how many times you've called me and said that there's people shooting at each other. There's shootouts and everything. Like I was saying, I'm in the deep hood. I'm talking from 25 and lower. <laughs> so I'm in the deep hood. People run stoplights. They run stop signs. They are running from authorities and they would hit the bus and stuff. And if I have you out of your seat, and you get hurt, then you know the ambulance and stuff have to be involved rather than me just checking to see if you're okay and the cushions between the seats and stuff has saved your life. So that's where growing up, remember how me and you were talking just like the gay community, how a no, you have to say no almost three times to black kids and to gay people. You know how a gay person will fucking- I'll never- Rah, 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 your fucking ear off until you just say, huh, fine, sure, you can suck my fucking dick, okay? I'll never forget when I was talking to Bonnie and she said to me, Oh, God. Eddie, don't, don't you realize that you and Corey oh, come from different, come from different uh, backgrounds, that you guys were raised differently? Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking to myself, like Jesus Christ she's so right like I hadn't I just hadn't put that together like it wasn't uh like what was that was that when I was constantly yelling at you like cursing yeah we were it was just when we were first arguing a lot and there was and I would use like curse words and stuff because I was that was how I was raised if you use a curse word you're you're serious you know you are so serious and I'm not joking with you, you know, get your act together versus, please don't bash me for this, but other cultures, you know, they would tell them one thing and they will listen to their parents. Well, we didn't unless my mom had something serious that we were known to hearing. And like I said, it's probably my third time saying it, she were cursed. You move, I'm gonna whoop your ass. And so, you have to rejoice that because if we move, let it or known, she's gonna be running around the corner. My mom used to beat the shit out of us with, and she used to beat the shit out of us with this toy plastic golf club because 
it didn't bruise us, but it got the message across to us that I told Toy you Golf blue. Club? Huh? A toy golf club? Yeah, it was blue. It was dark blue. A little toy golf club and one of those little Fisher Price kits. And she would give us a nice couple of wops depending on how serious something that was getting. And that's, and people look at it, I remember growing up, and this is why I'm glad I went to a predominantly African-American elementary school because those teachers were black too and they understood how we just, how my mom disciplined us. It wasn't abuse. It's just, this is how this child is going to listen. Yeah, because in, in my community, unfortunately now, if your mom had done what she did to you guys, even at my age, there would have been guidance counselors called in, the police, all kinds of shit that I never agreed with. Not that I agreed with beating your kids because I know that that shit don't work. No, like, I know for a fact. And just give them a couple pops and just explain to them. It's like when you when a dog is pissing in the carpet and you put their nose in and you just pop their little leg a little bit and say, no, no. They're sniffing it to realize that they did something bad and not to do it anymore because they sniff, they pee, and then they also get another sense of the carpet because they probably smell their owner's feet or the family's feet or a perfume or fragrance or something in there and it reminds them that that's the carpet and that's they piss not to do it. So, as a kid... I guess that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, a little bit, doesn't it? Because as a kid, you know, we don't we don't whoop Kylie. That's my And I don't think you should. We, we don't because Kylie is at a stage now where she, we caught it early by letting her know uh, because due to COVID, she's not in daycare, so my mom and my aunts or my brother, they would take care of her. And we all are on the same page to let her know that she cannot say no. We have a no-no environment with her because she's two, where she's going to say, she's going to continue to be saying no, no, no to everything that she don't like. So we have an, a no-no environment and more of an okay environment. So if it's something that she don't like, we try to keep her open mind. So when she grow up, it won't be, no, I don't like that. It's okay, I understand that. I don't like it. However, we're looking at these different points of views. You get what I'm coming from? And yeah. So we minimize, you know, the old tactics of whooping ass like how I was or my sister was. Which and is we, important. Yeah, we look at more of, we tell her, if it's something like Kylie goes and mess with the gas stove after she see the little labels that she can read, she knows what no means, or not to touch is what it says. She knows what that means, but if she goes and mess with it, trying to be, you know, more bad, malicious, whatever you want to say, then, you know, my mom would, my mom, would yell more, no, don't do that, instead of how she would react to us when she was younger and go over and, and <laughs> pick us up by one arm you. and spank us in the fucking air. What she would do is she would go, no, and she no, 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 probably tap the hand or something a little bit, but, and, you know, kind of a little spoiled ass. I would, I'm going to let her know when she get old. You are so lucky you got the nicer version of her because we were getting beat. And we still have the little golf club. We have the golf club. She had a little uh, plastic Fisher Price, and she keep them. You know what she do with them? She says she's going to find a big enough frame, 
like a big aquarium to put them in, and she's gonna have a hall of fame for whooping ass put in it. You know, my mom has a t-shirt, sorry to get sidetracked. She has a t-shirt that says, proud mom of a couple dumbass kids. My mom used to have, did I told you about that paddle she had? Her yeah. TLC paddle, uh -huh. thick wooden paddle with holes drilled in it so it'd fly through the air faster towards her ass. Oh my, yeah, she got advanced with it. And you know, your mom was like my Aunt Darlene. My Aunt Darlene used to beat the shit out of uh, with this bed slap that was cut in half and on there she would make BJ right the wronging he would do. So I don't know if she still got it today, but a couple years ago when we used to see it, there was so much black markings on there from BJ's wrongs that he would do that he done, I stole, I did this, I broke this. That was important after I was told not to touch it. Just so much written in black marker. And then she she would explain it to him and explain why he's getting, you know, beaten for it. Not beaten, but whooped for it. And, you know, I she told me that a while back. She's like, you have to explain to a child why they are being chastised, being whooped or punished or whatnot. Because back to a dog like i, I use dogs as a say because when we train dogs you are similarly training them how you would you want things to go right and when you train a, a child you don't train the child when you raise a child you are raising them how you want them to go in life right what's yeah, right from what's wrong i used to think that's what you're supposed to do but like i told you my parents were selfish in the way that they did it my darling has one child and she raised BJ, even though he has done some things that she don't agree with, he still has his head on his shoulders. Go to school, you know, have a family, take care of your kid, which BJ has a son and he takes care of his kid greatly. And you know, though he does things, he smokes marijuana and stuff, that's okay, my aunt says. She don't agree with it, but he still took care of his responsibilities before bringing that weed and stuff uh, as a priority because my aunt and my mom, you know, they know what my grandmother's values were and they want to break that chain that how my grandmother and grandfather raised them and make something better in life for us, their offspring. So, so you think your Aunt Darlene did a decent job raising? She did a good job raising BJ because the things you know, that I tell you about my Aunt Darlene, BJ disagrees with, and he checks my Aunt Darlene about. And I think that is why my Aunt Darlene is starting to quiet down more because now that she raised her offspring up where he is starting to get wise and he knows how to handle today's society, he's shutting his mom down from being closed-minded and doing those things that we would do what back in 2004 2005 2006 that was okay in other people's mind but now in this generation people are more soft and delicate and or they're not going to take it's a lot of truth. they're not going to take a lot of bs so if my grand my aunt is coming in like a bulldog to a goddamn poodle you know bj is coming in as a owner the dog trainer now and telling her shut up no don't say that you can't do stuff like that whether she likes it or not. And I'm doing the same for myself towards my mom. You know, I'm letting her know, you know, you are doing this X, Y, and Z towards me, but you raised me to do this. So the only thing you're doing is just getting mad at who you raised me to be. 
You know, yeah, I'm she's telling you, just getting mad at who she created. Yeah. You told me what was right from wrong growing up. Now I've grown and I've seen a little bit to know out here, especially through education. You learn a lot of stuff in these schools. You learn, uh, you learn bullshit and you learn credibility, like things that are credible to your knowledge. Luckily, my mom taught me right from wrong as a child that I, I, I pushed away bullshit and I kept the credibility, the credibility to my knowledge. Unlike some people that I see in school, like, you know, and I don't want to get into much stuff because I don't want people to bash me about some things that they do believe in that. But I grew up with a lot of different friend groups where I knew it was bullshit that people were bringing out of their minds, you know, in college and stuff. I knew it was a lot of BS that they were saying. But I looked past that and looked at their character, how they treated me, and that's how we still, you know, became friends. Because the friend, the word friend comes a long way. You know, there's different types. You have close friends, you have best friends, you have more than friends. You see where I'm coming from that? And so I really take that into mind, how I throw the term friend. You know, some people will use it, oh, that's my friend. And in reality, they would just think, oh, they're using the word friend, but they really mean that's my acquaintance, you know? Yeah. I just kind of talk to them periodically, which honestly is a bunch of BS because people my age, we use friend in those three terms I told you, close friend, best friend, more than friends. So that's why it's just, you got to be cautious using the word friends, especially to people nowadays, because it can mean any different thing, you know, and, and that's where the term people be like, oh, you fake or whatever, because they misinterpreted the word friend when it should have been how you would explain things or just a person that I'm, I know that I have little knowledge to. I... I mean, I I appreciate your perspective on your generation because I honestly, like, so, like, I'm at the very cusp of millennials. Like, I think literally 86 is, like, considered the first year to be a millennial. So I'm 87. So we still had our parents who, although they all have in common a very selfish attitude that didn't really prepare us for adult life, they still had, like, that old school way of raising us. So... You know what, if you scrape your knee, getting picked on in school, you know what, he hits you, go back and hit him back. Punch that dude back in the face. What's wrong with you? I'm going to beat your ass if you come in here and tell me some kid's hitting you I again. that still lives in all of our generation. Or, you know, um, even if it's, you know, it could be anything. Whatever it was, it was like, you know what, that's life. Life isn't fair. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt sometimes. Figure out a way to get over it. I and think our generation, we lean towards more of teaching instead of... What I, I like to say, use the rock, beat the child, was my mom's generation. Yeah, and well, that too. And I think your generation, though, and my generation is also at the cusp of this, which I have to take a little bit of fault for. But the safe spaces and the idea that it's okay to um, censor a group of people if a large enough group of people in this country or whatever your friends group is or whatever your political ideology is thinks that that specific person or that specific group's words are hateful enough or destructive enough that then it's okay to you know literally 
not allow them to be heard, take them off social media and just shut them down and just act like they don't exist. That is literally the most dangerous thing on earth because I heard this guy telling Joe Rogan, he was, his name was Jesse Single and he was like a political commentator um, and he was telling Rogan, he's like, you know, I don't agree with the censorship of any of your guests except, you know, Alex Jones. And Rogan's like, no, hold on. He's like, no, we're not going to do that. He's like, because that right there is where it starts and how it never stops. Is it always starts with, yeah, it's just one person. But once you do it to one person, then there's always going to be somebody who has a reason to do it to somebody else. He's like, so from the onset, the very first person that you or anybody else wants to censor and stop from being heard, it's never going to end. There's always going to be a reason to do it to somebody else because a group of people will always find a reason or have a view on it that says that what this person is doing is so harmful, they must be stopped. And he was like, you know what? I don't like what David Duke says, and I don't agree with these neo-Nazis. But he's like, you know how the ACLU got started? The ACLU literally was founded by a bunch of Jewish lawyers that fought for American, uh, the American new Nazi party to have the right to have a uh, protest, and I think somewhere down south. So these are Jewish lawyers that have survived the Holocaust, some that have come over from Germany, some that had family. All of them had to experience the hatred of what happened there in Germany. And they fought for these literal Nazis here in America to be able to have a fucking parade and to be able to go out there and say what they believe, which is blacks and Jews and gays and Mexicans shouldn't exist. That's what I was going to say. But I I think that's where the conversation should always end, is that there is no speech that can ever amount to being so hateful or so destructive that it can be stopped because once you get to that point that that's literally where this whole idea of literal freedom freedom to say anything i want anything i believe it stops and something else begins and they already did it with trump i mean the fact that they kicked him off social media is i mean he was literally the, pre- the standing sitting president of the United States, they took him off social media. I mean, well, because he was posting some derogatory stuff. So. No, it was because of January 6th, because he said what, and listen, I'll be honest, after I heard his speech and I'm watching him, I just thought to myself, Trump, you really you needed to get a better grip on how strong his words can be taken Duh, and, how, and how loyal the people that follow him could take things that he said because yeah. those people literally attacked that building because they thought Trump was saying, go, go it, show them force, take yeah. the election back, whatever. But lost her life yeah, she got shot in the fucking neck. I watched it happen. It was crazy. She was trying to climb through that window, but she was an idiot for doing that. I mean, what kind of person are you to, once you're already in the Capitol building and you're part of this mob mentality, you... You've got to be smarter than to be the first person through the fucking window that the mob's trying to get through. You're going to let somebody else do that. That's my first thing. I, would, I don't give a damn how... If I did agree with that, I was about to go in there. Absolutely not. But what I wanted to say was... But I'm just saying, even, even if Trump did cause that, I'm saying... So everybody in America, for the majority of it, recognized it as 
destructive, disruptive, bad. It shouldn't have happened. He came out after it went down and said what he said. But even that happening, which what did it, what did it result in besides literally a few people having heart attacks and a few Capitol Police also having heart attacks and dying? They None of them actually died from any physical kind of violence, which I didn't understand. There was literally Capitol Police that died, but they died from having heart attacks because of the intensity of the situation. The same with the people that were attacking the Capitol. There was a bunch of middle-aged men that had heart attacks and fucking fell over dead. Because that was part of that. They were literally experiencing the most exciting thing they had ever been a part of in their entire life. So your but, point of view of how, the, how, the, how our generation is becoming more soft is through political views. Well, they have, I think they've allowed themselves to disregard based on some true aspects of the Constitution Bill of Rights, which is that they were founded by white men with white privilege built in. No argument there. But the Constitution was all also designed to be able to have amendments voted into it either by a... Uh, a majority of the states that the legislature is voting or the Senate and Congress or the entire Congress doing it. So there is a process and the Bill of Rights is part of it. I mean, yeah. or, or the uh, Civil Rights Act. That was an amendment to the Constitution. So I'm saying there, there, there are remedies to correct anything that if at the time was done with a misguided or plagued type of view or whatever people saw at that time is okay it can be corrected. And it took a long time, but I have to, I mean, being serious, would you want to be a black man in any other country besides America? On right this entire, now or back then? No, right now, on this planet. Would you, do you think you could be as successful as a black person here or in any other country in this world? Don't play with me because that's a real quick quick up. That's a I'm real just trick question. But this this because is a with, this with is my quote unquote I act white. You know I'll be successful in any other uh, country. Not any other country. There's only one country that I would be successful in. No, two. If I would go to there with like today's knowledge and blah blah blah. That would be over in France, Germany, you know, Europe, I would say. Or, You're crazy um, if you think those Germans don't still hold hostility to anybody that's not white. Like I was saying. They went along with Hitler. Or, not because they or, were tricked into okay, it. It's because they all believed have, in it. Hold on. Have you been over there to know if things have changed or not? I've, or are you going based off of things that you see on the I, internet? No, I, I go based on when I had uh, German tourists come here to America at How Duke's. Long ago? At How Duke's. Long ago at the Duke? front door of Duke's in 2013. How long read ago my German... German worded at, at tattoos Duke. on my wrist. That's five. That was that was eight years ago. But okay, and these were changed. people that were my age. They were in their early twenties, and they were angry. So, anyways, in the other country would be Canada. You do realize Canada doesn't have. Free- oh my God! I'm just saying, do you, you do you realize that Canada doesn't have freedom of speech, right? They don't have. But they don't have a constitution and a bill of rights like America has. You are a fun sponge right now. There's. L- so my I'm question, just saying. Okay, but my question to you. So you is, think since, you think you would let me just be okay say over this there? Because we're getting off topic. But so I'm. But that, no, I'm saying the mob, like the mob here. You know how the mob here turns on people, and 
people like me always say just watch out because they're going to come for you one day even though you think that you're part of the mob coming for somebody else Mm -hmm. in canada that literally happens all the time there's called tribunals they have so if you say something let's say you're you're gay black man you're Corey, you're in canada but you are getting older and you start to have a little bit different views on your politics and you start to speak a little bit more conservative and you're starting to say things that some people are looking at you that used to look at you as admirable. They're like, well, now he's an enemy. They can literally take you in front of this tribunal and determine if your speech is destructive enough or hateful enough and then decide whether or not that should um, result in you going to jail, being kicked out of the country, or somehow fined and sanctioned and not allowed on social media or whatever in the country. That's all I'm saying is that if you well, think you can go to Canada. What I'm going to do if they do decide to go to that point is I'm going to go back to America. So, I'm just saying. My question to you, though, since you want to get off political and turn freaking podcaster on me. So, your, okay, your views on this all-star we were talking about. I think the last question our that society I, is getting softer, right? And you went on this political rant. And the last so, question was this. What do you... For what in your life do you feel most grateful? That was going to be the next question. Yes, but hang on. I want us to go back to that. Okay. You had your view on why our generation was getting softer was a political route that you talked about. Hold on. And then no, I, just, I wanted to ask you, do you think... For my my age generation, that we are getting softer because of sexuality. I think that, I don't know if they're mutually exclusive, but at least they're running parallel to each other because with the rise in the non-binary, the, yes. the, the acceptance of Feminists trans, and- the rise of young females identifying as trans, yes. and... The, the and the entire um, climate of Not safe even. spaces. You just, you just and have, if you go on dating apps, you just have straight men on there as if it's just a normal thing. Just you know, don't get me wrong. Me and you, we're all for the LGBT community, and we accept everyone unless we are disrespected. And how many times were we disrespected yeah. by a transgender person? Oh, plenty of times. That's why I say I don't make the gay. A community my number one uh, priority in my life because Likewise. I'm not their number one priority. I'm an outlier. No, you know, I'm a white male who's conservative. They don't give a shit and, about me. But here, look at my look at my background. Like, I'm black. You're black gay, and you're not willing to bow man. down to being a complete uh, bleeding heart liberal. So you're also an outlier because they just expect you to go, I vote Joe Biden. I love yeah. the guy because yeah. I'm black. Yeah. Just like Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Like, yeah, that's but, what like, they all think. Uh, another thing is, you know, I have beliefs. You know, I'm not all just black. You know, I am half Haitian, and there's a lot of there goes back a lot of um, religion in my background in my family that we still believe in. And you know, even though I'm gay and stuff, that's a sin and all of that. And I hope to not get bashed, but you know, that's something that I still that's- go by because of things. In our past, in our history, that has saved us through religion. Isn't uh, doesn't like uh, like the actual real like voodoo and all that? Doesn't that come from like Haiti? Isn't isn't and is it integrated with Christianity? That's what I was always told that that whole uh, whatever they practiced on the island and when they brought 
the black slaves over because that's what it was the slave island that the whites that the fucking Spanish that got everybody in the English they pretty much forced Christianity onto these people and they took it on but they also had whatever their religion was there and just mingled them just like most people do Kevin calls me my friend Kevin calls me a fake nation the same way Charlemagne did with uh, because I'm I'm a you know I'm more American Oh, because you don't practice the ways of someone yeah. from the island. I mean, um, why but, would you? You don't. You didn't live there. Well, because I'm American. That's just like you know? a lot of these first generation. Uh, at least I've noticed, like first generation, uh, black females from that have parents that are like from Africa. Mm-hmm. A lot of them date white guys. White guys, because and you I'm know, that that goes back to a lot of things. It goes back to, you know, their generation, their parents probably telling them, them to look at look huh? Probably telling them stay so away look, from those white boys. Don't go look there. Look at them as devils. Yeah, because devils. when somebody tells Remember, you something Remember that's what you used to always tell me? What? The you told me. No, I did not. You, you kept saying You said like, my grandmother oh, called you a blue-eyed devil. No, you said my aunt called you a blue-eyed devil. Because you read some article with your big ass head. Oh, Gwen Moore? Oh, no, she... Wow, you just going to out me like that? I wasn't ready to tell everybody that. But anyways... Anyways, Corey's aunt is so anyways, the, the wonderful I, District 4 congresswoman from Milwaukee, you Wisconsin. You have to edit that out because you did too much. But um, We all love her, of course. No, um, but no, that, and that, that goes especially... every That goes... I can be very honest with you. That goes for... Most of all gay, black, males, females, lesbian, black, males, and gay. That goes for everyone. And, you know, that goes back to our age thing. You know, growing up, you know, I kind of lacked that. And so that's why I looked for older, or I actually looked in the community for acceptance, which you don't get it, you know. And a lot of people in the gay community, I had a roommate that always went against, um, this was a recent roommate, he always went against things that I would say as a black male, you know, on gay dating apps and stuff, you know, we're not going to say them because I don't want no, no trouble, but I don't, I, I would get basically discriminated against you know it was all think he, of he's the he was a george zimmerman in your life uh, so like it was always like no way how it, how it feels is like you are in a line in a gym class and everyone else gets picked besides you you know that's how these dating apps feel and a lot of and i i know a lot of gay black dudes that will tell you that that is true like and then we have, we're fortunate to have attractive white guys like you that I was come say, along and say, oh my God, your skin is so beautiful because you grew up in Milwaukee. But I was going to say, how did you feel when you messaged me and you sent your pictures, I sent mine, mm-hmm. and I still kept messaging you, letting you know that I was still interested? Like, like that's another thing. Like with people say, oh, you need to handle being denial. How could you handle denial when you're denied by every single person that you message, even towards your own um, people that are your own race? You know, when I was on there, you know, fortunate enough that I did not think like this through college, um, through college, but my early adulthood, like 
being on there when me and you met and stuff. You know, when me and you would, you know, hook up and just leave and or whatever. It's funny because we hooked up and we reconnected by messaging each other, not knowing it was the same person again on Grinder. That is true. What you know, profile ass. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you but, didn't have a face picture either. Duh, because, but that leads me to the confidence level though. And I may sound like a little, you know, Mitch right now because... Oh, you don't have confidence to take them out. It's what I was told. And, you know, I really wish I still had that other iPhone of mine because in there I had screenshots and stuff of... Don't you? Because remember when you were, you pulled it out and went through it when me and you were in your car that one day? We were having a really bad argument. You know, that was a long time ago. You know, things change with us in month, in one month. Because we, our love is growing closer. Look but at I'm saying, in the freaking podcast. But I'm saying but what happened to the Let phone. me talk. So... Inside of that phone, I I used to keep, you're right, I keep everything. And I used to keep snapshots. And, you know, that was a toxic trait of me to keep stuff like that and go back. And, you know, when I'm down and sad to add more sadness to me by looking at those screenshots. I would have people, um, when I was out living in Las Vegas with my brothers, I had, you know, guys, uh, it was a guy on there. I messaged him, sent my pictures. And his response was, I don't like black bitches. And then as soon as I can respond, he will block me. I had guys here in Wisconsin, most, a lot of them here in Wisconsin. Um, you know, I like older dudes and I messaged him and I sent him a picture. It wasn't even a, a, a nude or anything. It was just a regular picture of me smiling. In the picture, I was happy. And he responded, I don't like burnt meat. And you know, like stuff like this, I get it when I was down in Florida. That's crazy. I get it in Florida. Um, now things have evolved where people, because of our sensitive environment, they don't they don't talk like that. But what they would say is, not interested. You and, know. And I honestly have developed that response unless there's some fat, disgusting, bottom, dick hungry old Nasty. white dude sending a picture of his. Fat ass bent over his cheek spread. Okay, okay. And I just messaged him like, you fat, disgusting pig. But no, I am not interested. Kill yourself. Okay, but that's too much now. What's the point of that? What's the point of you sending me a picture of your fat ass bent There's over probably with somebody your out ass there cheek spread? There's probably desperate that wants to get in there. So, but what about me? You know, what if it was the other way around? What if, what if me? A sexy black chocolate dude bent over. Well, that'd have been fine. It would have been fine. But, but you, what if but you, you know that you're a young, good-looking black guy. He knows he's a fat, disgusting. I, yes, kid. but where I'm coming from though is my skin color. Though we'll get to that body image because you are body shaming. The guy does need a treadmill, and he can get one. He just needs a little motivation. Trust me, I have a lot of fat friends who work out with me. But back to what I was saying. But I do need to work out. I'm starting to get kind of plumpy. But anyways, back to what I was saying, Wart. What if it was a white guy bent over and sent you a picture of his booty hole? I honestly wouldn't respond with such visceral disgust. You wouldn't respond? I, I, I'd probably just say, sorry, nice body, but not into white not, guys. Okay. Well, you kind of you just putting me in a place now where my response where I'm trying to come to because, you know... 
though yeah you're not interested because you you look where you grew up your community you like african-american or black people and i had to come to grips with that because i used to feel guilty about that because of what you were taught well we'll get into that in a second but what i'm saying is this is why some of us most of us especially black men who are gay struggle with love and affection body image um and anything with the lgbt community because how we are treated you know and i'm pretty sure by me me speaking there's other people that agree because i have other friends that agree with me and you know some people you know when i was uh when i was in marquette university um i was in this summer program as well and there was this this one guy i'm not going to mention his name for purposes because i'm not petty but you know he was jealous because i'm a good looking black dude you know and I, I, Especially I, when you had your dreads, but you're <laughs> you're still just as I I I I can attract someone and they they're if in person not through apps I can attract people who like me for my personality and my looks because that's how I portray myself. And real quick, I realized it wasn't your dreads; it was my big. The, I think it was the way you carried yourself. Because when I saw you without your dreads, I was just as attracted to you as when you had your dreads. I thought it was the dreads, but. It was and just that's you. That's a story for another time with the hair and especially our community, but we'll talk about that at this time. But back at Marquette University, there was this guy and there was this guy that found interest in me. But now that I talk about it, I feel like he was just confused. But then at the same time, what if that is his true identity? His name was Austin. What if that's his true identity? And the person who liked him who was jealous that he liked it me was jealous that he liked it me so he was trying to interfere and ruin that opportunity for austin to actually come out to me because i'm a real person look how i did with you war you know i didn't go off i didn't hold your secret as much anger and stuff that me and you went through i did not hold that and want to destroy it you know, it made you come back to me. You saw that I was real and I one valued the, your heart. I valued the, your trust. I wanted you to value my trust. It was one of the things that made me fall in love with you is because I knew that you weren't one of those people who would get angry. And then at the peak of whatever, of whatever controversy we were going through, wouldn't look at me and go, oh, really? Well, I'm going to tell everybody. Yeah. You like the fuck. And like, you like the fuck ruin, like, dreadheaded black dudes or whatever. To like ruin your reputation. Instead, I let you figure out what you wanted. You had respect for what Thank I, you. the way I wanted to live. And so, so that was it kind of makes me emotional because ever since that incident with Austin, I, I don't have any feelings for Austin, I want to say that. However, I just want to throw out there, you know, I can't rest if I've really you know, done wrong or made someone feel some type of way. And I've tried. I've tried, like, every year when I come back in town from Florida, I would try to reach out to Austin and no response. Or he would, when he did, I, he doesn't have me on social media. He only has me on Facebook, which I tried to message him. And, you know, he kind of gave me an answer to try to, like, make me feel satisfied as if he was busy 
so he wouldn't, you know, try to like have, like have to blow you off. All have time. some time to sit with me and meet. But I feel like he, I don't want to do it through like messaging. I want to actually sit down and talk to him so he can see how genuine I am in front of me in person. Rather than through a text message where he feel like, cause that's what got him in trouble in the beginning was text messaging. He texted old boy and old boy was sitting here screenshotting it, sending it to everybody in our class. Oh, so he wasn't out and he wasn't comfortable with people knowing that he, he was interested in guys. You no, know, he wasn't. You know, they had a couple of drinks or whatever. And I guess um, Austin was drunk texting and he said some things in those text messages. And, um, I asked him about it and he denied because it was going around all the gay boys at Marquette. It was going around about Austin. And I'm like, you is, I told old boy, I'm like, you's a real ass bitch. And you know what I did right in the middle of downtown? They don't have it anymore, but it was right in front of the Grand Avenue Mall, downtown Milwaukee. I sucker punched the shit out of him. I like came around with the haymaker and I just... Walked the shit out of his head. It was to the point. Is this who I think it is? Yes, is who you think it is. I'm just not gonna say any names because you know I don't say people's names who I have bad blood with. And you know, still to this day, you know, there's a difference between holding a grudge and things that are unacceptable. And what he did was unacceptable because I don't condone bullying. And he's still like this to this day. He's still like this. He has this mentality and stuff. You know, and I realize there are a lot of bullies in the gay community. And that's what really... And So I, I didn't really finish answering your question when you said, do you think that me seeing your generation as being soft has to do with the sexuality? Or what was the other... Or, it was sexuality. Or something or else. sex. Because... You, you, no, you said... Sexuality or... You're going to have to rewind and go back. Well, it. whatever it was. I th- think I said they run parallel to each other if they... Oh, po- politics. Oh, politics. Yeah, that's what it was. So, so yeah, because... So your generation has somehow and- formed this mob mentality that has never existed before in America. But you know where it has existed? Mm-hmm. And this has been repeated by... Multiple people, you know, I love Joe Rogan. I always repeat things I hear on there because he's got a lot of really informed, smart people that come on. But this way that our society is turning is where multiple other empires that have saw themselves take a downward turn into no longer being an empire have literally been at this exact crossroads, which is they found themselves with an obsession with sexuality and political correctness and what is or isn't right and what can and can't be said and regular freedoms that were once, you know, given to everybody slowly being taken away. And then at the end of it all, it all fell apart because nobody could, you know, decide any longer, you know, which people were allowed what freedoms and who was right anymore. So there was literally no more unity and everybody was an enemy. So but that is the only other time that what we're watching right now has existed is at the end of other empires. In America, even though we're literally the only free society that we have knowledge of, not saying there hasn't been one that we don't know existed, but as far as our human history goes, we don't know of any other society that existed with freedom, true freedom. And the fact that your generation is literally saying 
that they think that it's okay to take away freedom of speech and censor people if they think that things that people say are mean or hateful or destructive because they don't understand the concept of freedom, which means no restrictions. And that's, and you know what? Like when you see the school shootings and you see all these terrible things that a fraction of a percent of people who are lawful gun owners, they commit these crimes, then that these people then go and commit and cause, you know, everybody to look at and make their heart hurt. But I heard Bill O'Reilly say it and I couldn't agree with it more. And I don't really like Bill O'Reilly at all. I think he's a mean old white fucker that just is angry and loves screaming at people. But he said, this is the cost of freedom. And it's true because if we weren't a free country, that would have happened once or twice and they would have taken everybody's guns away. But the fact that we are a free country, we just look at it happening and go, okay, well, you know what? The only way to stop that guy the next time is to have more people around with more guns and hope that they can pull up on this crazy fuck at a school or wherever and stop them because it happens in Texas all the time. People pull up guns to go to shoot up a church and there's some guy sitting out in his fucking truck with a rifle on the back seeing somebody running with a gun and they follow him in and shoot and blow his head off. Like it's happened multiple times down in Texas. That's because everybody's carrying a gun down there. But I'm just saying like it's crazy to see your generation, the first generation that I've witnessed and I've seen my grandparents, my parents, mine, yours, you're the first ones that have looked at America as a whole and said, yeah, you know what, that's nice, but let's take a chunk out here and let's take a chunk out there and we're going to still act like and call it America and freedom, even though we know that that shit ain't true anymore. Because once you take away... Once you take away freedoms, yeah, and that's the thing is I don't understand. And you know what's crazy is that I read this book by uh, Saul Alinsky, his name was, and it was called Rules for Radicals. And it was Mark Levin used to rave about this book and how these liberals followed it like a Bible. He's like, you need to read this book to understand what these liberals are up to. So I read it. And do you know what Saul Alinsky said in this book? He told these people, he said, we need to become organized. And he gave them uh, examples of how he had organized groups of people to stand up against whether it was companies or arms of the government and had been successful in the way that he did it, which was to find other capable people to organize on each level as it got smaller and smaller down to the grassroots level, Mm -hmm. but made sure that the people that were in charge were like him, organized, objective, but understood that you know, what they were all shooting for, which was, you know, literally tearing apart America from the inside and creating a country of socialists, which is, he literally laughs about it in the book. He said, if I was in Russia and I was trying to promote democracy, they would make me disappear and they would kill everybody that were my followers. But he's like, here in America, I'm trying to turn this country communist and they're welcoming me with open arms because this is what freedom looks like. He's like, it's the only country in the world that will allow itself to be destroyed from within. Mm-hmm. And he said on the latter half of the book, he told all of his followers that it didn't matter what level they could find themselves. Small-time government, K- kindergarten teachers, first grade, fifth grade, high school teachers, um, college educators... They needed to integrate themselves in every 
um, educational forum the country had to offer and on every level of government from the local village board to you know the senate and presidency and literally indoctrinate everybody they could along the way and give that message out which is america's bad democracy is not okay it's all founded by rich white slave owning men which is true but i don't think that's like the if if you really look at the Constitution in the Bill of Rights, the original one, I don't think anything in that really screams, this is just for white people. Like, it, we all know what, you know, at the time it was written, of course, black people weren't looked at as fully human. You already mentioned this. So we, we all know that. But what I'm saying is that Saul Linsky wrote a book that is coming to fruition right now with your generation. And that is how many of your friends have you seen go to college and become radicalized in a liberal mindset almost all of them right every single one of my friends that have left high school they all literally that's how i lost most of my friends is that i went out into the real world i mean i spent a little bit of time in college but nothing seriously because i didn't take it serious but i went out into the real world they went into you know higher education they all became radicalized and vehement fire breathing bleeding heart liberals that literally didn't want to hear any kind of didn't want to hear any other side of the story there was no room for argument anymore you know what happens in those but that's the college that's the college educators literally indoctrinating them because these are young minds thirsty for knowledge thinking that they can put their trust and be vulnerable to these people who they have before them are supposed to lead them down a correct path with which, you know, in an ideal world would be an objective path that didn't have any opinion of theirs, you know, thrown in with it, which is the exact opposite. It's literally filled with their opinions and what they think makes the world right and is then told to young, thirsty, you know, or Hot knowledge heads. thirsty children who are. Hot heads. Th- that, yeah, but most of them are coming from you know, small town America where they think, you know, I want to see most people that come from small town America that go to school. It's because they want to see more of the world, right? They want to learn more. They don't want to just have that small town view. So they think whatever they're being told is what the world has shown these other people that are educating them. And it's not the truth. It's that these motherfuckers have literally integrated themselves into the education system and are purposely indoctrinating them. And the fact that your generation can't look to their left and look to their right and realize that, wait a minute, we, we all believe in the same shit and we, and we all think that compared to any other generation, it's like my generation is like 50-50, you know, with people being indoctrinated and, you know, people coming out, you know, unscathed. But my generation still hadn't seen the absolute, like, like the higher education system in America is overwhelmed with liberal educators now. That's all it is. But when I was 18 and they were going into it, there were still outliers. Like you would hear about them. UW-Madison professor says this, courage controversy, you know, something conservative or against the mainstream. And you'd hear about it from like Vanderbilt. They're just these random places. You don't, 
ever hear about anybody at any universities. When was the last time you heard of uh, an instructor in a university saying something that they agreed with Trump or something conservative? Oh, saying that they think saying that they think Ben Shapiro should be allowed on the campus to speak. It doesn't happen because it has been completely taken over. And the fact that you're your your generation can't look at that and go, wait, their nuance is a good thing. There should be people around me that don't think the same way I do, because if everybody thinks the same way, how can anybody ever figure anything out? Like if everybody looked at, you know. So when everybody was cavemen and they're looking at fucking rocks and looking at, looking at, you know, whatever it is, you know, a big dead mammoth carcass that they needed to move. If everybody looked at that rock the same way and thought, well, that's just a rock, you know, that's just there, you know, they would have never had one of their crazy Neanderthal friends walk up to it with another rock and whatever it would have been maybe two rocks and chiseled it around and made a fucking wheel, a circle and put something on top of it and started moving stuff. Cause that's how it had to have happened. Right. A bunch of Neanderthals looking around at rocks and maybe seeing them fall down and roll down a hill. And one of them just thinking themselves like, yeah, well, wow. that rock looks different than that one over there. I haven't ever seen this square looking rock roll down that hill like that, but this round looking rock rolls down the hill. I'm just saying, so if everybody looks at the problem the same, yeah. nothing can ever get solved. And that's the problem with your generation. Everybody has the same mindset. Yeah. And it's sad. I, I agree with you, Mark. You know, but you guys are going to, what, I mean, if someone's going to destroy America, you guys are going to, you guys wow. are going to be the, you're going to be the culprits. Well, it's time for your generation to step up. Listen, it's, it's, and look how me and you are. We two di- different generations, right? We two generations, and we come together. You changed my view on a lot of things, and I adore you on that. And I've changed your views on a lot of things. You based on, and we're two different races. You have changed my idea on a lot of things, and I'm yes. happy because. And I've changed racially. It's helped seeing the view. You've educated me on some things, and I've educated you on some things, and that is why our relationship is where it's at today in a strong way because of our views and how we express things. You listen to things that I have to say, and I listen to things that you have to say. You remember you told me you didn't know some of those things that I was telling you. And, you know, I'm kind of stubborn. I'm not going to tell you right off the bat. Oh, I didn't know that because you know me. But coming out and telling you, I listen to a lot of things that you have said. And I, you know, collect that stuff. And I realize what you are talking about, you know. So thank you for that. So this was a very nice night. And we talked about a lot of stuff. What was it? Almost an hour and 30 minutes? Two hours? Try more like... (laughs) two hours mm. well we're gonna wrap it up for tonight and we're gonna continue our questions for each other okay. well that was a good one off recording all right you done recording yep do we gotta finish these